This is episode 42 of The Best Version of You. Today we have a COVID-19 special with none other than Richard Sharp, CEO of Team Rubicon UK. Richard is a former Royal Marine Commander Captain and now he's in charge of an amazing team which travels up and down the country at this time in need. Please listen in and if you're a veteran out there looking to put your skills, your values and standards to use, then please sign up to Team Rubicon UK. Enjoy the show. Hello, ladies and gents. Welcome back to another exciting episode of The Best Version of You. I'm AJ Roberts, and today I am delighted to bring an amazing guest on the show, Mr. Richard Sharp, yeah, former captain of the Royal Marines and now CEO of Team Rubicon UK. Um, we're trying to get a podcast done for quite some time, um, but obviously the way things have wrapped up at the minute, it's uh, gone a bit mental here in the UK as well as everywhere else in the world. So it's vitally important to do this episode at the right time. Team, um, Team Rubicon UK has uh, come in um, heavily on the COVID-19 operation. So I was really keen to get Richard on the show and talk to us about everything that they're doing and also what they want to achieve at the end of it and give you guys an understanding of the amazing work that they're doing and have done over the last few years. Um, so Richard, just uh, for the benefit of the, the viewers and the listeners, can you please just uh, give us a bit of background about yourself first? Yeah, get the, get the boring bit out of the way. Um, so yeah, I was a Royal Marine, um, I belonged down in 42 Commando, which was down in Plymouth. Uh, I served on uh, Herod 5 and Herod 14, and then I got uh, medically discharged um, in 2012. Um, so I was just being outside then as a civvy, ended up in the city of London. Um, Worked for Deutsche Bank for a little while, um, yeah, fine. Like, I thought it was going to like, reinvent the world. It was all quite exciting for a while in a chalk stripe suit, but quite soon I realised that's not how I was built. I wasn't, it was never about earning money and actually purpose and service was far more important to me. Um, so I ended up at Health for Heroes as the ops director there, which was great for a few years. Um, and then this came along, TV Recon, and you know, I just couldn't believe all my luck came in at once because it managed to bring all of my experiences together in one place and just live values every day, do something entirely positive, but with people that I wanted to be around, you know, yeah. veteran community, people that are driven by service, and the last two and a half years has been this whirlwind of, of stress, like loads of stress, but just, this place is epic, you know, yeah. I absolutely love it. Yeah, and do, do you think like that time um, with Health Heroes, for example, like set you up nicely for, you know, doing what you're doing here with Team Rubicon UK? Yeah, I mean, it gave me a massive experience, because obviously Health Heroes went, you know, ginormous very quickly during the conflict. And as the officer exit, I've got a, a full front to back view of the business and the charity. And we had lots of problems in that time with the press and we were catching up with having grown so fast, there was infrastructure that wasn't in behind it. So I had this like incredible apprenticeship essentially for three years of the in-depth work into a charity and what can happen if you don't get it right, you know, the good, bad, the good, the good and the bad. Um, and everything from marketing and branding to veteran recovery to to the operations and the finances, so it set me up perfect then to come and you know run my own charity here. And, uh, yeah, everything I learned there has been definitely beneficial here. Do you think um, being being an officer in the Royal Marines obviously set you up well for doing this kind of stuff from a command's point of view? Um, what the what being an officer? So when I was nine or whatever it was, probably younger, I wanted to be a, a bootleg. My man was a marine, and I just wanted to be a marine, and then. I had a couple of flights from GCSEs and probably levels, 
So he was like, no, go and be an officer, or at least try. He wouldn't let me join as a lad until I'd at least try. I failed the first time and got in the second time through um, the AIB process. And what being an officer did was it just opened my eyes to a different part of the world. So like, I don't know whether being an officer like, sets you up for command any more than being a junior NCO or a senior NCO does, you know, experience or experience. What it did was it taught me, a young lad from Cornwall who had never seen anything outside like Cornwall, that there was a bigger wider world. I didn't know what the city of London was. So like, being an officer got me a, an in into banking, which I hated, but without that, I wouldn't have got the job of Health Heroes, I wouldn't have got the yeah, yeah. So like, you and I, you know, you were junior NCO, I was an officer. I don't think our command style is very different. Like, I might have had a bit more exposure to planning, but like, in terms of leadership, you know, we, we've come through the same thing. There's a lot of leadership that's like, in you as a person, like, what, you, what rank you were. Mm. But being an officer definitely showed me a different part of the world and got me a foot in to that part of the world when I left, which then is, Led to his path. Yeah. Um, and well, Team Review Con UK has done amazing things all over the world. Um, can you give the guys and girls listening at home like a bit of an understanding of what it is that Team Review Con actually do? Yeah, so I mean, this place is a, a disaster response organisation. And we sometimes get confused as a veteran charity, and it, it fundamentally isn't. Like, veterans are not the object of our charity, they're the delivery mechanism of it. Because there's all this incredible skill that we get. A, the military attracts great people, it attracts task-orientated people, it gives you all this life experience, all this skill, you know. You have to work, you have to earn it the hard way, you know, mm-hmm. like, being in the military is not easy, you know, at times you've really got to, you've got to dig out for that experience. So we're trying to repurpose that in an entirely positive way um, on the outside, because like, I don't know how you felt when you left, but for me it was great for a year, quite exciting and fresh, and then I start to miss being around like-minded people, I start to miss that like that unifying purpose mm. and belonging to something. So this place gives veterans the opportunity to do that again, but in their part-time. So they can come here, upskill in disaster response, volunteer a couple of weeks a year, four weeks a year, six weeks a year, whatever they want to do. The more they do it, obviously, the more they get out. Yeah. But where we specialise is rapid onset natural disasters around the world, getting rapid teams into that chaos, out into the Italy very quickly and reaching and the remote calf communities and getting that life-saving aid they need. And of course, that's where military planning, military discipline, we have to live in the field, you know, putting others before ourselves, that's where all that comes in. So that's our absolute sweet spot, you know, rapid onset disaster, big remote communities calf, we, we get there when others can't. We, mm-hmm. we go that extra mile, we really sweat ourselves to get in and get them that life-saving aid they need. That's, a, that's unreal and it's actually like very, very appealing, especially if you're like-minded, veterans that are out there looking to have a purpose or find a purpose and do something with their time. Um, what sort of countries have uh, the, your team's been to in the last few years? So I got this job in 2017 and the team was just coming back from um, the Caribbean. British Virgin Islands had been hit by Hurricane Irma. Yeah. And we were just coming back from that. But TR still hadn't really found out what it was going to be when it grew up in the UK. It had been doing a lot of stuff here. Um, and that was its first big international operation, but it didn't have the capability. You know, it didn't. It didn't really know what it was. It just sent ninety veterans to go and do good work and like figure it out. What we did after that was like, right, where's the where's the gap in the market? And yeah, what I described a minute ago about that remote communities getting into the hardest to reach places. So like, that's where former UK military can really add value. Um, so we started then repositioning the organisation for that, and we started off with just war purification. 
And then we, we end up in Indonesia three times that next year because Indonesia got hit by three tsunamis on the ground. So we ended up in Indonesia for six straight months, basically. And then we came back from that, we were like knackered, we ran out of money, but we'd, we'd proved the case, you know, it was like, actually, we can do this, we can send volunteers into the hardest of these places. And then Mozambique came last Easter, in fact, exactly this time last year. And that was like our moment in time. That's when they all just, everything I've been talking about is concepts and telling people that like, we can do all this great stuff. The teams went downrange and, and did it in Mozambique and, and just pulled off an absolute blinder. Um, and then to prove it wasn't a fluke, they went back to the Bahamas last summer and a few months later and, and did it again. So a wide range of places we responded to. We've also operated in Nepal um, on a pre-planned basis, um, Sierra Leone. So wherever there's hard to reach places, we're in the Congo, you know, steer locations that need our help. That's where we look to get to. Well, uh, Mozambique, for example, what sort of like tasks were the, the guys and girls doing out there? So in Mozambique, the typhoon that hit caused immense flooding. So it changed the inland topography. So it created like inland islands, basically. So the UN agencies, the, the big um, humanitarian agencies couldn't get to them because their risk tolerances don't allow them to go out overnight. They're not allowed to leave the roadhead. You know, we're, we're like, well, there's all these people that are deemed unreachable, but they're just going to die. They're either going to starve or they're going to die of disease. So we sent out uh, recce screens essentially. So we'd either use helicopter, satellite imagery, locate what looked like a, a community, and then we'd send a recce team out to go and see if it was a community, and identify what their needs were, food, water, shelter, med supplies, create logistics hubs like FOBs from you know the, from our old language, call forward the multi-sector aid, get airdropped in, we'd then distribute it to the local population, move off, occupy an area, like to sleep at night and do the same thing the next day and the next day. So that was like a pathfinder element, basically for the wide array effort, creating the, the reach they needed. And then um, we also ended up doing strategic coordination for the UN, so helping them to map the disaster back at their cluster groups and put the liaisons into key areas. And um, because they all talk in their lanes, they don't talk cross lanes. So the military approach is obviously get situation where it's more quickly. So that was Mozambique. Wow, that's a. Uh... Pretty insane. That's a, that's a lot of work, and I mean, um, for the guys and girls on the ground, and that, I mean, are they briefed on how long they could expect to be out on the ground, or is it do you have set periods, or is it kind of like just see how it goes? So every disaster is different. Isn't it? Disasters yeah. like they're so dynamic. You don't know, you don't always know what you're gonna get. And um, so we send our first wave responders out to go and build a mission, and they they know that we're gonna pull them out. Um, we basically made a promise of two weeks. So like you've got a job, you know, most people have got lives, so it's like if you can give us two weeks, we'll have you out and back in the two weeks and then we rotate the next one through. Mm-hmm. If you said you could do four weeks, then we'll take the four weeks because that's one extra flight we don't have to get. Yeah. And um, but then as we're building that mission set, we don't always know, you know, what's gonna happen because there's no information coming out of these theatres. So that first wave, you know, they've got to be resilient, they've got to be comfortable and uncertainty. They know they'll be coming home, but they don't know what they're gonna be finding when they get there. Um, and when we send them out on the ground, you know, they've got to be self-sufficient. So we might send them out for four or five days, but they might be out longer because the situation determines that. So they need to have the kit with them and the wherewithal to be able to self-sustain. Yeah. We can't take things off the population that's just been smashed by a disaster, right? Yeah. So we've got to make sure we can look after ourselves. Yeah. And, and is like the, all the kit and equipment and stuff like that, is that all provided by Team Rubicon? Yeah. So if you volunteer, it doesn't cost you anything to volunteer. 
Um, like we feed you, we give you all the, the hardware you need. You need your own AT clothes, but we, yeah. uh, we provide a great T-shirt. <laughs> so you know that you're right. But like um, all the hardware, the rations, the water purification, the comms equipment, that's all provided. Yeah. Um, but we, yeah, we just need robust resilient people yeah. um, for that partnership. There's other stuff we do as well. You know, It's not all jumping off a helicopter into, into Mozambique, because that's not for everybody. Yeah. I get the sense that's for you. It's definitely what I would like to do. You know, it's not for everyone. There's other ways we get involved in operations, but yeah, yeah. that's the, the pointy end of the stick. Yeah, I, I, I suppose you, uh, like any good team, you just kind of play to your strengths, wouldn't you? So obviously you'd have your, your guys and girls that want to jump in and do all that, the initial, you know, hard stuff. Um, and then you'd have people that are very much like medical, like trended, or you'd have people who are maybe more into the construction or the engineering type of stuff that would maybe go there. And, you know, just looking around like the, you know, the awesome canvases you've got here, like, you know, bricklaying and you know all that kind of stuff just to help sort of get that response started I guess yeah um, and when you lobster staff here you know, there's a watch room there's an ops room that lifts off 24 7 many people in here we've got to help us drive people to airports you know there's yeah, a variety yeah. different ways that people can get involved yeah uh, I mean I, I'm very much uh, heavily involved in doing a lot of work in Sierra Leone uh, we went there in January uh, to run a medical mission for amputees and rape victims yeah. from the civil war and yeah. uh, only just this weekend been raising money to feed the people in these amputee villages because um, the lockdown that they're going to be going through because COVID-19, yeah. uh, they have nothing already and then they're going to have no supplies. And uh, within a couple of days, managed to get a truck full of like rice, water, flour and uh, stuff out to the villages, which is really, really amazing. Um, but I mean, it takes quite a bit of time to get like those relationships and stuff out with people on the ground in the first place. And I'm, I'm only new into this um, charity to do this work. So the lady who runs it, um, it's like a, it's her whole life, you know. Yeah. When she found out there's going to be a, um, a lockdown over there, she, she hasn't slept in a week because she just cries for the people, you know. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I, I know firsthand how, like, how desperately needed, like, different personalities and different um, skills and attributes like, really are when it comes to stuff like this. Yeah. Because um, I mean, you all know just the same as me. Like the people in Sierra Leone have already been through civil war, and then Ebola, and then mudslides, and then yeah. now COVID nineteen. Yeah, and the mudslides are coming back again in a few months. Like, yeah, like, they never get a break. No, so, no, yeah. it's it's unreal, and you know, it really does. And especially, I guarantee it will for your guys really puts into perspective like what we should be grateful for here in like the Western world. You know. Yeah. Um, no, and that's a big thing that for me is perspective. So I always lean on Afghan as my perspective point. So like all my resilience has come because of my experiences in Afghan. But this place has given me a whole new set of handrails for perspective because we're doing all this work. I'm, I'm always humbled by our volunteers, how much they lean in and how hard they mm. work and how much they do. Yeah. But also the communities we work with when we go away and you know they didn't have anything before the disaster went through and you know we really have got it easy here. I know it's a tough time right now and yeah. you underestimate how tough it is for people. So if I but you know, when you do have that other perspective point on people in Sierra Leone that are self-isolating and can't feed themselves, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a whole different ball game, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, do you, do you find um, when the guys and girls are on the ground and uh, the, the the initial first wave has gone in, but um, the people are going afterwards, you find that the guys really try and empower the people in the local villages and um, the towns and the helping to, to really rise up and carry on the, you know, the hard work that, that your teams are putting in afterwards. Yeah, I mean, that's the most important thing is like, 
you can't just drop in, here we are to solve your problems. Like, that's not empowering, you know. Mm. Um, often when you when um, when there's a big surge of responders, hopefully that that helps break the, the sort of shock of capture and the apathy post-disaster to start spurring the communities back into life. We look to just work through the communities to help them capacity build. Mm. Um, and we'll never send an expensive person from here, you know, the flight is the feeding everything else, if we can pay a local to do it. Yeah. You know, so we've got to stimulate local economy, help them get back up on their feet, solve the problems their way. So obviously if we're if it's a life-saving thing, if it's getting that first bit of aid there. You know, we've just got to do that because that's the difference between someone starving to death and not. But it doesn't take many days post that then actually when you start looking at how we're going to work with the community in their way to solve their problem. So when we leave, it's a lasting solution. Yeah. Not just something like, oh, that's what the English people did. And they yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I find that from talking to people in Sierra Leone that, that um, they, they've seen a lot of people come in over the years from the West world, not just British, but like the States and stuff like that. Like the white man comes in, he says, oh, I'm going to help you all, and then goes away, sets up a charity, they raise loads of money, but it never gets to the villages yeah. and stuff like that. And so you can understand sometimes why people are skeptical, but I mean, obviously, there's some areas that like aren't really that bad in terms of poverty and famine, but like suddenly get hit with a natural disaster. Yeah. So it's, uh, I guess, it's totally different to where you go all the time. Yeah. And so we don't do much development work, you know, we yeah. sort of go and try and build schools programmes. We don't make hollow promises. Mm. Uh, we tend to be there at a point in time when they really need it. Yeah. But we're always cognizant of, you know, this has to be done by the locals and we're just there to help them. Yeah. You know, and if they don't want the help because they've got it, cool, then that's great. But if they want the support, then they yeah. will give us them. That's fantastic. And so, so where does um, Team Rubicon roll into the whole COVID-19 thing that's obviously happening in our own country? Yeah, I mean, so obviously we don't do much here in the UK. We respond to floods, you know, luckily that's really dropped off. I know there's a lot of flooding this year, but the UK can respond quite quickly. There wasn't much need for us. Um, and so we've been focused on our international work. Um, three weeks ago, we got asked by government to, so Nick Parker, former general, is our chairman. He is very well known in government because he came in to run the Olympic security when she first contracts formed down. Mm. So we got invited or asked to do some mission analysis for the Department for Culture, Media and Sport. They've got the volunteer mission for COVID, but then they're not geared up for that kind of work. You know, they're, they're, they're digitally focused. It's um, not their bag. So we, we did that three weeks ago. And in that, we're like, and these are the bits that, that we can provide for you because it became really apparent, really clear. Um, there was a real need for TR to step up here in the UK. Because you've got all these voluntary organisations doing incredible work in the communities. Um, but there's no there's no strategic view, so they're facing to their problem right there and then. They don't know what's happening in the next region over or the next region over, and there's no common operating picture to need. So we deployed liaison screens around the UK, working with the military, working with the voluntary community sector, to start understanding what all the needs are in the local communities, and then we're collating that back here. So we have a common operating picture of the needs across the UK. Mm. We think we're the only organisation that has that at the moment. What that gives us the ability to do then is provide the strategic coordination to the voluntary sector. So we can say that if you've got a circus here, we know there's a shortfall here, we can try and coordinate that movement around the UK. But importantly, you know, when there's a critical gap, then TR fills that. So we send our response teams forward. This is where we're trying to mobilize the veteran community on that. So mm. I'm looking for 40,000 veterans to sign up as spontaneous volunteers to come and work with our teams to plug these critical gaps. And this is in NHS provision, this is in feeding of people, you know, this is like really important time critical stuff 
because there's there's not enough in the voluntary sector to deal with it. And the, the 1.5 million people shielded at the moment, but that number's going to rise by 15 million over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. So the needs across the UK are going to be vast, and we're in this pivotal strategic position, but also delivering tactical effects to the communities. Um, so it's uh, in, in one way it's a very exciting time because we find ourselves really serving our country like we haven't done since we were in the military actually. Mm. But of course it's, it's hugely daunting because it's a lot of pressure to deliver this for our communities because this is, it's just people that we know and you know, yeah. they're going to suffer. Yeah, I mean, and if I, obviously I'm a veteran myself, but if I, if I was looking into volunteer or TR right now, um, is there some kind of screening process that a veteran would have to go through uh, upon application to for you to decide? Like, well, firstly, yes, you can come on board, but like, where you actually send them? So, um, if you're going to join TR, there's like a screening process, and you've got to come through training. If you're going to volunteer for the COVID response, just go to the homepage and there's a clicker, and then there's a short Google form, like two minutes, and then that's into the database, and we know where you live then. So then whenever there's a tasking in your region, you'll get notified of it and then you can respond. For some taskings, we don't need to do a lot of screening because we'll supervise the delivery. But for other tasks, you know, we might need a DBS check and just see if you've got a DBS from another job. Um, and if you're going to come in and do one, one task with us and then go on, you know, that might be quite a low level one, not much screening needed. But say you were going to start volunteering with us over the course of this crisis for three or four months, mm. you know, we get to know you more over that time and you might then start doing it more and more with less, less supervision from like the leadership teams here. Because obviously we have to be very careful that we look after the volunteer, we look after the person that we're trying to look after. Yeah. Because you know, if we're looking for 40,000 people in the rush, we can't know everyone in that person. Yeah. So it's making sure we pick the right tasks for the spontaneous volunteers, and they're given the right supervision, supervision and leadership so they know what they're doing and we give them the tools to do it. But then hopefully we get to know a group of them over the course of time, and we understand what they can do, and we start giving them more and more tasks. Okay. Um, and how does that actually work if they're, I know a lot of people are working from home or are, are furloughed at the minute, um, but some people are, are working. Um, if they wanted to volunteer still, how does that work in conjunction with their normal everyday jobs? Do they need permission to volunteer or because they've signed up to TR and given the, what everything's happened, does, does TR's work take precedency? Like how, how does that work for somebody in full-time employment? Well, that would be on everyone's case-by-case basis, yeah. but um, obviously the crisis is 24-7 at the moment, so yeah. people have weekends, they might want to do a bit at the weekend, they might want to go and say to their boss, I want to volunteer for a week, but there's tasks that take a day, there's tasks that take a week, there's tasks that take two weeks. You might be able to do four days of a two-week task, we're like, okay, cool, get you, and then we'll replace you halfway through. Um, so. Just because you volunteer at the database doesn't mean that you have to come forward the next week. Mm. We'll keep notifying you of all the tasks in your region. You just wait for one that you can do and you have the right like fit for because you know it might be that you need a driving license and you haven't got one. Um, but then it might be like, okay, I've got the skills, I fancy that and I can do that. So then you hit the button and then we tell you where to be. You know, there might be a day's pre-training or whatever. For some of the tasks, we have to do a bit of pre-training. We've been getting homeless people off the streets in Manchester into the travel lodges. Wow. Um, so you get a day's pre-training online, so then you just do that, and then you go and deliver the task. Okay. So it's, it's mega flexible because there's just there's tasks all over the UK, different mm-hmm. area, um, so you can fit it around your life. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. So it's, it's almost like you know, there's just endless amounts of different tasks, really, isn't it? Like, I mean, I, I wouldn't expect uh, you know getting 
homeless people into travel lodges and that like that's not someone I would have thought of like but it just shows you the massive array of endless amount of different tasks that are needed right now in a time of you know national crisis it's uh it's it's unfortunate that people are some people aren't taking it seriously as it actually is it's quite frustrating isn't it and that's you know, uh, I was talking to our volunteers and I, I do sort of like vlogs to, to the members to keep them updated. And like saying your country needs you sounds a bit cheesy. And I thought I had to say it, but like it became so clear three weeks ago, like our country needed us to step up. Mm. And our country needs the veteran community in the same way to step up through us at the minute because this is a crisis. You know, yeah. It's so serious. And But to most of us, you don't feel or see it because everyone's isolated. Great. They're doing their thing. They're staying at home. And unless their family members got it in a really bad way, they might not really have noticed COVID. Like cancer, everyone knows cancer because everyone's touched it in some way. Mm. And so there is still a group of people that don't think it's serious. It, it really is, you know, like because we're seeing it and we're not seeing it where the nurses and doctors are seeing it, you know, we know just how serious this is. And, and we've still got a painful few weeks to go. And the tasks, you know, we're doing sensitive stuff in mortuaries, you know, we're helping with excess body removal. And we're doing the homeless tasks, we're doing feeding of a million nurses in, sorry, a million meals to nurses in Oxford. Wow. We're supporting the Nightingale Hospital, we're supporting, we're supporting Southampton Mortuary. You know, there is so much support the NHS needs right now because mm. um, this is a crisis. You know, and we shouldn't underestimate it. No, absolutely not. And are you still managing to um, like get numbers out to any international tasks at the same time, or is it very much fixated on? UK school at the moment. Yeah, we are all in on COVID. You know, okay. This is our main effort. I mean, while this fight's right on that doorstep, mm. um, we're also just going to take everything we've got to, to deliver into the communities. You know, we're trying to solve a massive problem on behalf of the UK. You know, we really are. And it's probably unsolvable, but we've got to give it everything to give it you know, the most amount that we can. Yeah. Um, I mean, even if there was a, I, I, I pray there's no disasters for the next six months. Because of course no one can get anywhere. Yeah. There's no flights, the borders are shut. If a disaster hit a fragile country now it's in um, in Africa somewhere, you know, it would be appalling. Yeah. Because the humanitarian sector couldn't get there. Yeah. And um, so we just got to pray that there's nothing like that. Yeah. We get through this with no no disasters. Yeah, yeah, I really hope that happens. Yeah. You know, for millions of people's sake. Yeah. And um, so what what's day to day life like for you personally at the minute, obviously running this uh, organization uh, i know every day is probably different but just in general uh, i mean you must be doing like a crazy amount of hours yeah i mean it, it, it's full on right now and um, in seven in the morning i leave whenever i can seven eight at night and that's pretty much seven days i'm trying to look after myself you know get outside crack a bit of fizz for half an hour an hour just to clear my head and um, and make sure i take a bit of time i can to go and go and chill out because there's always, you know, this place is taking off like a rocket ship at the minute. There's always something that needs you. So I'm trying to, trying to manage myself quite well so I don't just run myself into the ground. Yeah. Because we're liaising with government, we've got two ops rooms stood up here, we've got tassel over the ground, and the thing just doesn't stop. And there's the press, you know, the media. And so you could very quickly just find yourself burning out. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, in a way, this is like being back on ops. In the military, because I've only got a single point of focus right now. So I've got my wife, I've got this place, I've got two points of focus. Um, but I was saying to you, we're making a cup of tea. I haven't got people chasing me to go and do other stuff, and my, you know, my mates are isolated. So I've just got this like clear focus each day. 
Lose suits me down to the ground. That's why I used to like being on ops because it's just like wake up every day, be brilliant at this one thing, and don't worry about the rest. So like I'm all the distractions eating away at me. Mm. So whilst this is probably the busiest and it's always stressful, most stressful time of my life, it's really clear and simple in another way. Yeah. Do this and be present in my life as much as I can. But she's very understanding that this is yeah this is important. And I think there's a, like, a really great lesson there that you know hundreds of people can take away from that. Is in the we're all in this situation. Um, where the majority of people are at home and being told to stay at home but at the same time you've got an opportunity there just like you say there to like maybe focus and hone in on one thing to become brilliant at mm-hmm. and set yourself up for bigger and better things like you know once this is all died down as I was saying earlier and I've said it like so many times recently is I've never known a time in my, my life my generation uh, or even probably my parents generation when on mass people have got this huge amazing opportunity to reinvent themselves almost and just improve themselves in so many ways um, and well volunteering for Team Rubicon would be a, you know, an amazing way to do that um, you know for self-gratitude self and everything else that goes with it and that's what we find like, that's the sort of payback to our volunteers you know I took all the amazing work they do but they, they get back the sense of purpose and sense of mission that we once had mm. you know and you know, I, I say it all the time, I, I believe that the services in our DNA were built, we just built that way. And that's what attracted us to the nature in the first place. And when that's gone, it's hard. So like being here, volunteering is where you get that purpose and that sense of mission back. Yeah. And you know, it, in some ways it does reinvent people. It just, it reminds them of what they feel like they've got on this earth to do. Um, and you know, it has all kinds of welfare, well, well-being benefits, you know, being mentally fit as well as physically fit. Yeah, you know, finding your your lane in life where you're completely fulfilled, um, and if this crisis can be a catalyst for positivity as well, give you the opportunity to mm. to lean in and do something reasonably selfless again. Nothing's nothing's totally selfless, you know. If you feel yeah. good, you know, but, yeah. yeah, no, I totally agree. And then, uh, I know firsthand that it has like a massive ripple effect on like the things you do later on in life. Um, and ever since I was a teenager, I've always had this like like thirst for personal development, but also doing things for other people. And because it's, you know, just that, uh, it's, that it's that kind of feeling that, that you know, endorphin hit that you get when you see the positive effect you've had on somebody else's yeah. life. Um, whether that's like from coaching or whether that's, uh, you know, even just from helping someone out in like a, a particular act, mm. you know, everyone gets that feeling at some point. And it's, it's I always say, you know, um, We've all got the we've all got the ability to help anybody, and the capacity to do so. But it's it's that decision of whether you choose to or not. Yeah. Um, it could be anything from like helping the old dear next door get a shopping in to you know volunteering for Team Rubicon UK and going off to somewhere on the other side of the world and jumping in into the thick of it. You know, there's, there's obviously total varies there, but every single person has got the ability to be able to come forward and help somebody else at some point. That's right, and it and it's good for you. It feels good. It develops your character. Like putting other people before yourself, mm. you know, is a wonderful thing. And that's what the military gave me and gave my mates. And we were we were aligned by a common goal. It wasn't about us. You know, we we all had to pull together in sections, troops, companies, or the whole military for common goals, and it wasn't about us. Mm. And it makes I think it makes you a better person. You know. You can serve in different ways, like you say, you can help someone across the road, help them carry shopping. It's service, it's helping somebody, it's putting yourself out for another person. Mm. Or you can jump on the plane in a complex disaster. Yeah. 
you know, it's all part of service. Mm. I, I, I'm a massive believer in uh, the, the old cliche, like, you know, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Yeah. I find if you choose not to help people, the decisions and the, the way you live your life reflects on that, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, this place is built around like selflessness. You know, it's, it's everything before yourself. Mm. You know? yeah, and that can be at the big scale or it can be a little scale. And it makes it a really amazing culture and amazing place to be around because um, my wife bought me a, a skydive in Oslo a few years ago and the skydive instructor was saying, like, I've got the best life because no one jumps out of a plane in a bad mood. Like, I'd get people on the best day of their life every day. This place is like that because, oh, well, yeah. because you get to choose when you come. You know, it's not like being told to be here. People are always here in the best mood. Mm. So you're surrounded by A, people that put others before themselves. So they're, you know, they're all that character, but they're here and they're buzzing and they do doing incredible stuff. So like the atmosphere is, is infectious. Wow. Yeah, and it's, uh, well, I mean, it's a selling point right there to come and uh, volunteer <laughs> for, for Team Rubicon, isn't it? It's because um, I'm always harping on about it all the time. It's like, you know, you're in a circle and just surrounding yourself with positivity and positive influences. Yeah. Um, so if you can be in an organization or um, a place of work which is surrounded by that on a daily basis, like, you know, what's not to love, really? Yeah, this place makes me a better person. Mm. You know, every single day I see better people than me doing great stuff. So, you know, it means you're constantly striving. Mm. Um, and this is people from all backgrounds, you know, and I'm just surrounded by good people. And it, you know, it makes me better because you've got to keep up, <laughs> you know, because if they're going to put themselves out like that, then, you know, you have to serve the leads and you've got to get out yeah. of that as well. Yeah, yeah, that's vitally important. And um, for the guys and girls who are like watching or uh, are listening, um, what advice would you have to them if just they just want to, you know, join up, not just for the COVID stuff, but just join up initially? Like, is it this first thing to do is head to the website? Yeah, like just head to the website. It's like, it's mega easy. And um, there's a great opportunity to come and do work straight off the bat now. Just come and do some volunteering and, and feel it out without having to come to the training. But, um, you know, in normal times, just go to the website, register, and you come here for a weekend's induction. And like, that's the first thing to do. Just come in, do the weekend here, um, and then like, then you're in. Because yeah, you will just fall in love with it. You'll, you'll get those from it, you'll meet those great people. But you'll understand quite deeply then what we're about. That's where you get to look at others and we get to look at you, check that our values align. Because um, this place isn't for everyone, you know. There's bad people out there, you know, there's all kinds of people you wouldn't want in an organisation like this. So there is a two-way look there. Um, and, you know, make sure you can sort of attend up and look after yourself for a weekend camp in here. But it's, it's chill, you know, it's, mm. it's low, uh, it's, it's not like getting shaken out of your bed at four in the morning for fears. Then if you love it, you know, and you've got the attitude, you've got the international ops course, that's a week, that's here. That's a bit more taxing, you know, we're showing you how we operate, we're teaching you the humanitarian principles. Um, but again, you're surrounded by great people, so it's a bit like training the military, you know, get that sort of cohesion, you start to build the teams. Yeah. And then that first wave into the disaster, I told you about the ones that are first off the plane, there's another top-up course for those people, the operational leadership course, and that's another week here. It's a bit outside, but there's also a lot of tabletop exercising, like putting under time pressure, working with teams, leaderless tasks. Um, but the first thing, just get the website, register, come to an induction, or get yourself in the COVID response. Awesome. And, and what sort of age ranges have you got like within the organisation at the minute? So you've got to be over 18. Yeah. Um, but most of that people, I'd say, are between 35 and 60. Okay. Um, but that's a great age bracket because... What's brilliant is when people have like served, 
they've gone outside, they've done a bit, and then they've really missed what we had. But they've also got some new experience. It could be like tree surgeon, you know, we need chainsaw operators, they could be a management consultant, you know, whatever it is. Um, and they come back, but because they've missed that sense of service, they dive in so hard. Mm. So that's like a, a perfect, yeah, yeah. perfect age bracket. And sometimes you need people that are really good at carrying stuff for long periods of time. Sometimes you need people that are good at political liaison and diplomacy. So having you know, different age brackets, different backgrounds is really important. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, if you look across all the all the arms of the armed forces, there, there's probably a job for everybody. There's yeah. point in everyone from like engineers to logistics to you know boots on the ground who can carry yeah. heavy stuff. I mean, yeah. Um, right now we've got a submarine captain out on the ground doing lots of liaison for us. We've got paratoms out doing stuff. You know, loggies and engineers are worth their weight in gold mm. for the stuff we do abroad for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, you know, but there is just there's like it's like being a pilot. You know, you've got the, the pilot in the plane. You've got this huge iceberg underneath them. It's the same. You know, we need mm. all kinds of skill sets and backgrounds. But mostly, we just need good people. We just need people with the right values. That want to serve, yeah. and the rest can be taught. Yeah, and I, I think as well, um, having worked with so many people over the years, you know, from a coaching point of view, um, and in groups and stuff like that, I reckon it, uh, doing something like this, just like a week away, doing a humanitarian mission with Team Rubicon, can really have a huge impact on somebody for the first time, can't it? As in, especially if like you're, you're quite an introvert, say. Um, but you're doing it to you think it's going to really boost your confidence and you know your own the way you see yourself and you know your own confidence in yourself for example I bet there's a you know a lot of people that come away from there like with like wow Uh, I know I did just going to see every game for example I had this goal of um, having the biggest possible impact on the people in the villages as I possibly could and I've managed to do that and but they did on me you you know massively I'm like text messages, uh, WhatsApp messages daily from people in the villages. Uh, you call me Uncle AJ and stuff like that. And it's, it's amazing, you know, and uh, like I'm saying, it gives us the opportunity to still do like further work in there, you know, because they want to have that relationship. Um, so I can only imagine, you know, like how many people have come away from, you know, their first, like, well, however many missions, you know, Some constantly a better person. Like as well. yeah. Yeah. I, I won't name him, but he's out on the ground right now. Came here, did our, um, operational leadership course and just had this like life epiphany mm. you know he came down to see me in the office we talked through all the stuff I've just been briefing around uh, our style and where we operate and why we do what we do and he just had this life moment quit his job completely really? well in a completely different direction like he said he's a totally different bloke now totally happier he's, he's out on the ground working for us right now oh. another guy again I won't name him but he's an ex-soldier who was feeling very confident oh sorry his confidence was down after mention he didn't think he fit came here and realised he was really useful. He now has this amazing business that he's running. Um, another guy we will name Mark Bradshaw, the next tanky. Um, one of our like really dialed in grey shirts, came back from Mozambique. He was a tanky for years, he's done really interesting jobs for the police. And he said that two weeks in Mozambique the most important thing he's ever done in his life. Wow. Just came back with such clear mm. focus and perspective. He said it's the most important thing he'd ever done. Yeah. 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 I mean, they they do change it like trips like that. Um, I come back from Sierra Leone and uh, I've not touched a drop of alcohol like, since I come back. Really? Yeah. yeah. And it was purely because um, I'm typical squaddy, like, you know what I mean? It's literally all or nothing. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I pour a glass of wine, but then you like, in competition with yourself, you're like, oh, I've got to finish the bottle. 
Otherwise, I'm just gonna, you know, I will be last man standing. It's just like kind of, it's almost ingrained in me because yeah. the, the drinking culture in the military. Yeah. And it's like, you couldn't just go to the pub for a pint. Yeah. You know, like make sure brothers would be like, yeah, we just have a couple and I'd be like, what's the point of even lying to yourself? <laughs> like, you're going to be there till three in the morning. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, it just, I got to the point where, like, you know, I told myself, like, it doesn't really serve me for what I'm trying to achieve. Yeah. You know, so the, the hours of work on myself and what I'm trying to do about my own business and all the rest of it, for example, was being missed because I, I'd have to, you know, I'd finish that bottle of wine and then the next day I'd have a fuzzy head. Yeah, so I'd like, yeah. yeah, so you end up, you procrastinate 10 times more on the things you you know you know you want to do and yeah. need to do. Even over crisps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I found that trip, you know, like I come back with sort of, sort of you know, much clearer head um, and have done since. And yeah. you know, and I'd imagine exactly the same for the people that have been on ones of you guys and for the ones guys and girls that are looking at volunteering, you know, I guarantee you will get something out of that out of it, like you know, hands down. Um, in terms of uh, skill sets and stuff like that is are you looking for predominantly military? I mean, can civilians from all walks of life, you know, rock up and say, "I want to, I want to join, I want to, I want to volunteer"? Yeah, hundred percent. So, TR without the COVID crisis is made up of a variety of different people. So, we we take the military approach. So, like, this place is built in a similar way to the military approaches yeah. operations. So, because of that, we try and recruit predominantly from the military. So, we're seven percent. And ex-military, the other thirty percent, emergency services, and just other people that really want to get involved in it, mm. and they bring us other wonderful skills, you know, and um, teachers, nurses, builders, a variety of other stuff we need. And um, right now in the COVID crisis, the reason we're asking specifically for the veteran community is because we know that they understand our operating principles. They know they would understand how to drop into our structures very quick. So that's why we're trying to recruit the veterans for this particular operation. That normally will take anybody. From any walk of life, if they share our values and then they can pick up the attitude yeah. of what we're trying to do. Yeah. We're looking for good people, it doesn't matter where they came from. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. Because um, I'm sure, obviously, the people who like watch the videos, the YouTube channel, and you know, listening to the podcast, um, I can imagine that hopefully you'll have quite a lot of intrigued people that will be signing up, especially at the minute when there's a lot of people who will be sat at home, like, yeah chomping at the bit to do something <laughs> yeah. because you know I, I, you know although we do live in a first world country and we do have wi-fi and everything else like that you know i totally understand that it's completely out of people's comfort zones you know like every, everything that was a routine is now you know shot shit pretty much yeah and it's funny the routine you know we haven't wanted that bad we can still get food but you might not really get the food you exactly want yeah and that's really like rattling people yeah, they can't just have everything they want when they want to. Do. Yeah, I think it's just going to be a good reset for some people. Yes, like, yeah. Because when you talk about CRO, they just get what they can get. Yeah, they can get it day to day. We're worried there's not the kind of chicken that we normally buy. <laughs> yeah. Like just buy what you can buy. You know, yeah, think ourselves lucky. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, people weren't too picky about the pasta and the toilet roll, but uh, you know, we weren't going <laughs> yeah. there. Like, I wonder if anyone actually ran out of toilet roll there. Like. <laughs> yeah, they're probably cooking the toilet roll with the pasta. <laughs> Um, so where, where can people find you? I mean, obviously you've got social media, you've got email, websites, like, you know, where can people find you on, on the net? Yeah, um, we're, we're active across Facebook, uh, Instagram, all that's TeamWookCon.uk and um, the website TeamWookCon.uk.org uh, and you can sign up there for the COVID crisis or to become one of our, our responders when this is all over. Um, and if you follow the Facebook channels, you'll be getting a daily feed of what's happening here. And if you register to be one of the COVID volunteers, every couple of days you'll get an update of what's happening, but also you'll be getting sent 
tasks in your area as they're appearing. So you know, you'll be constantly in the drumbeat of what's happening and then you can pick the ways you want to be involved. Awesome. Um, what I'll do is I'll make sure I put all your links, uh, all your tags and everything yeah. else in the show notes um, on the on the YouTube, everywhere like that, because you know I want as many veterans that are listening and and watching and the videos and that to, to sign up and get involved and you know do some real good in in our country when yeah, you know during a national crisis we desperately need it and we need those skills you know those boots on the ground yeah um, it's, it's an amazing thing that you guys have got going on here like and I, I'm really really thankful that you know you invited us to come and see you know everything that goes on here the HQ and uh, all the good work that you guys have been doing for some time and will continue to do but more importantly let's try and get some uh, numbers bolstered up for the effort that's going in at the minute for the COVID-19 crisis here in the UK. Um, Guys and girls you heard it from the man himself uh, Rich Sharp there um, the amount of fantastic work that they're doing in this country um, around the world but especially during this COVID-19 crisis when we really are in uh, a period of time that we've never seen before. So if you're sat around, you're not doing much, um, you want to be part of something, you want to be part of you know, an amazing organisation, you know, find that purpose, put your skills to, to the test, and please get in touch with Rich, Team Rubicon UK. Um, you can get, come via myself, you know, I'll put you straight in touch or go to the website. But please don't sit there and procrastinate. Sit there, you know, just yeah. get amongst it. Get amongst it, just lean in. Yeah. yeah. Guys, uh, for me and Rich, uh, I hope you enjoyed today's show. I'll put everything in the show notes. Make sure you leave a five-star review on iTunes. But from us today, go out and be the best version of you.